for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Have you ever been accused of preaching hate? Yes. Do you think you are preaching hate? No. What are you preaching, sir? Truth. Uh, I've read some of Mr. Muhammad's articles in the Pittsburgh Courier. He is a Muslim. I agree with him. He says we've been waiting long enough. If hate is what we think it is, if hate is the vicious germ we think it is, then one man filled with hate is one too many and cause for concern. Assalamu Elijah Muhammad, part one, let's go. Welcome to Fraudsters, the podcast that gives you the scams you love from the fraudsters we hate. I'm your co-host, Cena Gazin, along with Ariel Lieti and Justin Williams. This is the episode where I hope two men in bow ties don't show up at my home to escort me to paradise. Okay? <laughs> just want to make sure. It really seems like they might after uh, after our discussions today. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to cool it out on visiting Newark for for a little while, at least. (laughs) I could just imagine these these two guys coming out and be like, no, 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 I'm 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 on your team. I'm on your team. No, no. Uh, Oh, my God. No, that's not. They're not going to buy it. They're not not going to buy buy it at all. They will think you're Jewish, honestly. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) It sort of seems like the Nation of Islam is like Scientology without all the the fun celebrities, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it would lure people in with positive lifestyle changes like abstaining from pork and smoking and alcohol. But once their probationary period is up, they're forced to attend every meeting, sell all these Nation of Islam newspapers, and completely submit to leadership. It's actually a little more similar to like Gwyneth Scoop than Scientology in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And also like Islam is about it's I mean, as far as I was taught, you don't have to go to the mosque all the time. It's not you don't required to like show up and it's about you and your relationship with God, submitting to God's will. This is like so weirdly different. This feels more like yeah, culty yeah. than anything. Yeah. Goop is well, a very good example. Well, and it's also a mashup, right? Because it's it's like if you imprint like sort of pseudo Islam on top of like African American, like thoroughly Protestant people, it becomes like this weird mashup. So like the yeah, the Nation of Islam is like 
it's technically i mean it's like it's islam but like farrakhan is preaching just like a black evangelical baptist preacher yeah 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 it's like it's very the charmer we'll find out about him later oh boy well in this episode we're going to focus on one leader who went from total drunk to the pinnacle of spiritual and political power and then back down to total drunk who was just in it for the money and women can you believe uh, <laughs> no so we're gonna go all the way back okay so strap in everybody okay elijah muhammad was born as elijah pool in sandersville georgia on october 7th 1897 his dad, Willie Poole, had been born free, but was named after the son of the slave master who owned his own grandfather. Freed slaves were often bestowed with the surname of their former owner, but having the first name is some added fuckery. So Elijah's grandfather was born into slavery and had also gone by his master's full name, Middleton Poole. He had a son, and even though he wasn't a slave anymore, he named his son his master's son's name, William B. Poole. He was also mixed race. Three guesses as to which two races and how that even happened. Asian and Persian. No, um, yeah, Yeah. that's it. (laughs) Justin, is this this was normal for freed slaves to get the surname of their former owner? Like, how did that is that that was that was very common? Uh, So one thing to keep in mind about American slavery that differentiates it from slavery in other parts of the Americas is that we in the United States actually imported far less slaves in places like Brazil or, you know, Haiti or Colombia or Jamaica. Uh, So in the absence of constantly importing Africans, uh, we had a much more elaborate system of like uh, institutional rape in this country. So most African-Americans usually have like at least 20 percent of like white ancestry from slavery. So the naming and all of that stuff and I see. Share, yeah, and the like complicated bloodlines to where you might be, you know, cousins with somebody who's white, but because you're from the same plantation, all that stuff kind oh of exists. Oh my god. So that oh, that's way more insidious. I see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fuck. Elijah's parents were born free, but circumstance forced them into involuntary servitude, attempting to pay off a debt that they had incurred before they were ever even born. But Elijah's dad, Willie, would find that he could use the word of God to make a living for himself as a preacher. By his mid-20s, he had become a popular preacher. He named Elijah after the biblical prophet who was believed to have warned his people before the apocalypse. He was also the lucky number seven of 13 children his parents would have. When Elijah was three, they moved to Cordell, Georgia. And at six, Elijah began attending the Holsey Cobb Institute, one of the only colored-only schools in the area. But after starting school, he became quite an introverted, often retreating to a corner of the living room with the Bible once he had completed his homework and chores. He would spend hours immersed in the Bible with tears glistening in his eyes. I don't know. Tears? Tears. I don't know. How, what do you mean tears glisten? Like, is it really as a kid? You It's all metaphors and you're really, you're, you're able to, I don't know. Well, I don't think that kids uh, understand that it's metaphor. Yeah. I don't think some adults understand that it's metaphor. Then wouldn't it be <laughs> yeah. more scary? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would it, would it be scarier? That was he crying out of fear? Because is it a kind of like, Maybe you know, aggressive metaphors? Yeah. All of the above. Anyway. Due to his father's batshit apocalyptic ravings, he started having nightmares, of course. Elijah's father demonized whites and instilled in Elijah a deep fear of God and the Ku Klux Klan. 
The logic was hard to argue with after a series of traumatic events opened his eyes. He became aware that as a black child, he was at the mercy of the white population, knowing that any one of them could potentially harm him without consequence. One day, a well-dressed white man showed him the severed ear of a black man, a gruesome symbol that some pieces of shit white people often took as trophies from lynchings. This reinforced the cruel reality of racial violence and its suffocating proximity. What the fuck? Yeah. It's so insane. No, yeah, the taking of trophies during lynchings uh, is actually a very common thing that doesn't get talked about with lynchings. And uh, and also another thing, if you want to look, is actually a lot of lynchings actually were made into postcards where you have public people posing with, like, uh, mutilated bodies, and they were, like, sent around. Like, the, the oh, ra- culture of racist violence in this country is much deeper than just these things happened. It was, like, people, these were group celebrations. Could we draw a line from that to... What happened in Korean Vietnam where soldiers would take trophies and do the ear necklace thing that whatever. I don't know. Maybe that was just in the movies. But. No, absolutely. No, it's true. Yeah. It's an environment of dehumanization, right? Yeah. We've been uh, brutal you, we, since the beginning. That's just yeah. our vibe. America. Fuck but, yeah. but, but that's a, but let's just let you know, right? Like the South and like parts of the Midwest and like, you know, um, you know, are as brutal, are as like routinely brutal during the Jim Crow era as like a war zone. And that's like where black people are like living, right? That's good to know. Jesus Christ. Uh, He's not even six yet, you guys. Okay. So a few days after Elijah's sixth birthday, another black man was brutally lynched in downtown Cordell. The horrific event fucked Elijah all the way up, leading to bedwetting as a psychological response to the trauma. And unfortunately, his father saw this reaction as abnormal, unclean, and ungodly. A less godly family might have simply tended to their son's needs, which (laughs) heathens, okay? Thanks to his father's wicked reactions, the bedwetting persisted until he was 12. Yeah, so you're getting a sense here, right, that like, like you're getting layers of trauma, right? You're getting societal trauma, and then you're getting like a domestic trauma that's added on part of, you know, that it's part of this. You know, it's like the fences, kind of phenomenon if you've ever seen the play or the film Fences. It's awful. Elijah withdrew from the world. He dropped out of school, started working in sawmills, and dove headfirst into the pages of the Bible. Which is always great to do, by the way. Yeah. Always a positive thing. Really turns people around. (laughs) Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. You're right. I don't want to, I want to be fair. I want to be fair. Let's be fair. Does get people off of booze, uh, but it also, you know, creates some problems. Yeah, sometimes it's the gateway drug for a fraudster. (laughs) (laughs) So recognizing his spiritual exploration, Elijah's grandfather took a special interest in him and affectionately started calling him Elijah the Prophet. The title was in reference to William Saunders Crowdy, a prominent black Baptist minister who established a new faith centered on the belief that former slaves were the original Jews and that Crowdy himself was a reincarnation of Elijah the prophet. Crowdy preached that God and the first people on earth were of African descent, offering a sense of empowerment and identity to those who embraced this teaching. Well, anthropologists would at least affirm the last part of that. Yeah. Not not, not the rest of it, but. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, some of it, some of it, there's some truth there. There's sprinkles of truth in all the fraud. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Richard Leakey. (laughs) (laughs) 
1912, Elijah's close friend, Albert Hamilton, was brutally murdered by a lynch mob. A teenage white girl had been found in the street, allegedly molested. Hamilton was a horse and carriage driver whose carriage happened to be in the vicinity. And Hamilton was arrested and a mob with skin as white hot as their anger stormed the jail, lynched him and shot him over 300 times for good measure, of course. I mean, a lot of these things that I uh, that we read or, or looked at in this, it's crazy that a group of white men shooting a, an unarmed black man, you know, 10x you know, more than once, you know, or a hundred, 300 times. I mean, it's like this stuff is still, I know, s- still happening. History just continues to repeat itself. It's also the acquiescence of law enforcement. It's the only time where you can have people actually go into a like criminal justice facility, take that person out, murder them, and then nobody faces any consequences. And this yeah. is also the reason why Jim Crow, one of the reasons why Jim Crow gets brought sort of to an end, right, is because it it under it threatens even the idea of rule of law because it's, it's a lynch mob, right? So this is why the feds start getting involved increasingly. But it's like, it's crazy. Like um, uh, Amadou Diallo, it was a New York City dude, 1999. Yeah. yeah. They shot him like over 30, 40 times. Yeah. I mean, it's like, <sighs> sorry. It's just some of this stuff is weird. And I don't know, I guess what you're seeing is like the... We shouldn't be surprised that this guy ended up being a fraudster, right? Yeah, so that's crazy. what I'm saying. I'm, well, we'll, well get I don't there. Know. A lot I'm of people lived through Jim Crow and didn't become fraudsters, though. Yeah. No, thank you, Justin. You're right. Yeah, so. I guess. But, but, still. It, but, it, but, but it creates the pool of vulnerable people that a fraudster can take advantage of, though. Yeah. That's true. That's true, too. And that's the unfortunate part. So this solidified his determination to leave Cordell as soon as he had the money. At 16, Elijah rented a room in a boarding house. It was a step towards independence and establishing his own path. And at 20 years old, he was promoted to a supervisor position at the sawmill. He oversaw some black men who were twice his age, including his own father. And then around Thanksgiving in 1917, Elijah met his wife, Clarabelle Evans. They moved to Macon, Georgia and had a couple kids. They moved to Detroit and had a couple more kids after that. So I think, remember Barry Minkow, his father worked for him when he had his, like, carpet cleaning business. And I think there's also an element here of, yes, his father was abusive, but I think there is a part of this that also feels like Elijah may have seen how weak and insecure his father was as well and unable to provide for his family. Does that resonate with either of you at all? Yeah, and it's also historically, this is, like, right in the middle of the Great Migration. So places like Detroit people coming out of the South represents like the economic promised land. So everybody with some kind of idea is going to be heading to cities like Detroit during this period. So he's, he's right in the middle of this huge historical move of black people out of the South and yeah. you know, by the millions. In early 1920s, Elijah began following the teachings of Marcus Garvey and became involved with the Universal Negro Improvement Association, also known as UNIA. Garvey preached that by uniting with a common goal against a common enemy, black people could create a utopia on earth. Garvey's philosophy blended black nationalism with a religious undertone, and he advocated for repatriation to Africa. So, Justin, I know about Marcus Garvey, but can you give the audience a little bit of history on him? Just quick thing. uh, Garvey was born a Jamaican, but the UNIA was based mainly out of Harlem, but established branches all over the globe. It's uh, probably the largest single 
black mass movement, uh, probably in history, maybe the exception of maybe recent BLM. Um, and, uh, you know, the red, black and green flag of black nationalism comes from this movement. And so Garvey is going to be somebody that's going to inspire anti-colonial nationalists. I mean, he really is a titan of his age. He gets so big that... Uh, a good friend of ours named J. Edgar Hoover, actually, uh, one of his first conspiracies against black people is actually against Marcus Garvey. Wow. Ooh. RBG. Okay. By this time, many black individuals had grown disillusioned with Christianity and the church. While middle class black people turned to organizations like the NAACP, National Urban League, and Congress of Racial Equality, lower class black people lacked the resources, time, and patience for such organized efforts. So by the mid-1920s, Elijah's resentment towards white people had intensified, and he was an alcoholic. He longed for a spiritual fulfillment, but ignored his wife and spent all his time at the bar, as one does. This, plus radical political views, made it increasingly difficult for him to maintain employment. Yeah, good thing to keep in mind about Garvey, right, it is that uh, his black nationalism uh, inverts uh, sort of white racism. So it's like the white people are saying they are superior and can't mix with the inferior black man. But I say it is actually the black man that is superior and we should not mix with white people because they will dilute our blood. Right. Uh, So, yeah, I think once you're like uh, once you take on that, like, you know, the purity of races and things, I think it's hard to be in an integrated society. Right. But he doesn't want an integrated society. That's what I'm saying. That's precisely it. Like once you yeah. subscribe, if you're subscribing to true Garveyism, like you can't take orders from a white man at a job. Mm. But I guess doesn't it bring up the question of is a integrated society like feasible? Like I, I think we can, there's an argument to be made that America as a multicultural society is still in very much in the experimental phase. We're so young as a country. We're gonna find out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know we got like white nationalists and stuff like that it just feels you know we're also like, the mo- we're also the most successful like multicultural society ever though objectively though. i don't if know you say, but isn't that because we had a head start by post world war ii america is like the is like the greatest uh miracle of mixing and assimilating populations it's like the envy of like the entire world i don't know it seems like the race war is imminent for us right now so it's it's lit <laughs> yeah god bless america God bless America. (laughs) I love America more than you out there. (laughs) eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride. Every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix. 
This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. This is the episode that gets us canceled. In 1926, he passed Andrew out Tate in- has some good points, Ariel. No, yeah. stop. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to get canceled. All right, now sorry, that's go ahead. The one. <clears throat> in 1926, he passed out in the gutter and was sent to the drunk tank. What is a drunk tank? They you, put you put you in the drunk jail. Oh, yeah. okay. Cool. I was like, is it like a dunk tank? <laughs> you never been at the club and they have like a room for drunk people? No. No. No, I don't Wait, get that at a drunk. Club? That's a very yeah. specific sl- to Cena. <laughs> what club are you going out yeah. in? I mean, it, it happened in Pittsburgh. There was like a little room. Oh, yeah. It's because it was a weird, you know, it's Pittsburgh. But I Th- That's what I was going to say. That's something that's not a normal. <laughs> hey, out there, if you're from Pittsburgh, if you went to Rock Jungle in the early aughts, you know there was a, you know there was a drunk room. There was a drunk tank yes. room in there. <laughs> it's no. a room people that can't take care of themselves. It's like, don't come to the <laughs> club. Down there to Station Square. You get in there to Rock Jungle. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is awful. I hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes to the drunk tank and finally quits drinking. He begins referring to himself as Elijah Poole with an E at the end. Poole. Fancy. Ooh, English. Not Poole like his slave master, P-O-O-L. Then Christmas that year, his wife found him passed out on the railroad tracks. So finally he quits drinking again. I, you know these things where you just do a slight change to the last name, and you're like, you know, you're telling someone it's like it's a, a pool, and they're like, oh, p o o l, like no, with an e at the end, so it's poulet. No, 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 it's just pool. No, no, yeah. so is it e? So is it French? No, no. Oh, okay, got it. So this is like Jermaine Jackson. Do you remember when he changed his last name? Yeah. He changed his last name to Jack S U N. Yeah. He named his first son Your Majesty. Your Majesty Jackson. <laughs> That's the we cool thing about being are. black people. We just do whatever with the language <laughs> and like names and stuff. Like we'll make up like we, like we will make up a new name. <laughs> Your Majesty uh, Jackson. <laughs> oh my goodness, hilarity! <clears throat> so now Elijah has decided to turn his life around. He's attending meetings at a local Islamic temple, and the founder of this temple was Noble Drew Ali, who established the Moorish Science Temple of America in Newark, Newark, New Jersey. Well, look at us. The MSTA had its own version of the Holy Quran, because, yes, we are changing the Bibles now, in which Drew (laughs) Ali proclaimed himself as a prophet of God. His teachings, which blended black nationalism with religion, gained considerable popularity, paralleling the appeal of Marcus Garvey's ideology. Elijah went all in. He took odd jobs, but he was rising up the ranks and there was more financial opportunities than ever. He spent the majority of his time to spreading MSTA's version of Islam, ascended through the ranks, and went through several name changes in quick succession, including Muhammad Ah, 
Imam Muhammad and Muhammad Afranu Bey. From the jump, if your quote version of Islam is like Muhammad is not the prophet, <laughs> it's like that's the a rap. That's the basis. <laughs> That's a rat. That's <laughs> like, nah, Jesus, nah, man. It's like, well, that's I got my own Christianity now. It's not Jesus, it's me, Frank, yeah. and I will make you an Italian hoagie, and I am your prophet. Yeah. It's like, no, that's it. There's, you know, Sunniism, Shiism, Sufism. All of them have different things. They all go back to Muhammad. Yeah, that's it. It's like that. That's like level zero type shit. The, the appeal of these things is that they give African-Americans like uh, glorious origin stories that yeah. link them to prestigious like things in the world. Right. So, you know, if somebody says you're you know, you're not some slave with no history, you're actually a descendant of the Moors who conquered parts of Europe and brought science to the, you know, the white savages of the dark ages, right? That's more appealing to you. And you'll see the Nation of Islam will have its own sort of version of this. But yeah, Noble Drali, yeah, had a multi-million dollar empire. Uh, you know, he had national membership of over 15,000 followers, right? But then there's, you know, living the opulent lifestyle is going to raise the concerns, right? There's uh, going to be a lot of plural marriages, right? Kind of twisting, you know, Islam has very specific rules uh, for marriage and uh, those aren't going to necessarily be followed by people. Uh, well, you can have four wives. Mohammed had four wives to, to, to do the multiple wife thing. Yes, but there's but there's like specific rules for like you have to you know provide for them. There's like there's like specific, oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah sure. there's like there's like regulations for that that those aren't going to be followed by people that are going to be attracted to these movements. Uh, and then kind of even foreshadow some of the problems that are going to happen in the you know the nation of Islam later. Right, is that uh, anytime there's dissension in the church to expose corruption, there's going to be the use of murder and violence against dissenters, which is going to lead to split a movement. But on a lighter note, if you go to Newark, New Jersey today, right, the reason why you have this huge African-American population that have a lot of Arab names and eat halal still is actually due to this movement that uh, goes, you know, goes Oh, back very cool. Movement. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it, yeah. When you're when you're in Newark, you're like, "What's your name?" My name is Muhammad Sharif, and I go to uh, Shabazz High School, and mm. I eat at the halal shop. Mm. <laughs> and you're like, "It's all, it's yeah, it's it's a lot yeah. of people that converted to these movements." I never thought about that. I just was like, "That's yeah. wild." It's funny too because in Islam, like a lot of Middle Eastern people will also make up their own, or their families had made up over a couple of generations their own stories. So you'll hear a lot of Muslims say, "I'm actually a descendant of Muhammad." So yeah. it's like a similar thing where you'd be like, how really? How are you going to prove that? How is yeah. that going to be? The Quran wasn't even written at first. They just repeated it. So it's like, how are you even going to how is this going to work here? So I think everyone has this own little reality distortion field they build for themselves. Yeah. And there's a lot of noble Drew Ali references in rap music, too, like Nas and people like that. There are a lot of references uh, to him because these group, you know, like these splinter groups like the, you know, noble Drew Ali, Black Moorish Temple and. Uh, you yeah, know, uh, the, the black Hebrew Israelites. There's uh, that rapper the brother centers. Yeah, like those, those, those. A lot of these groups that are kind of like splinter religious movements, like they're still like very much alive in hip hop culture. Eventually, in all this like violence and infighting, Ali himself actually gets murdered. Oh my goodness! Well, before he was killed, Ali was in trouble with the law, and he knew he needed a successor. He picked Ford David Ford L, a convert who was out on bail. He chose him and made him shake. 
When Ali is killed, there is a huge power vacuum. And within that, violence erupted. Warring factions went at each other, including Fort Ells. There's some real Game of Thrones moves happening here. A lot of chess, not checkers. There was kidnappings. And at one point, a thousand cops were deployed on a single block, which understandably created some outrage from the black community and helped amplify the point of view that cops were out to get them and the MSTA. And they were not entirely wrong. Yeah, where's the middle here? This whole story, it's like there is this conspiracy that they're out to get us, but there is a certain amount of it where they are out to get us. There's truth in all of it is the problem. That's why it attracts followers. That's why these movies yes. become so popular because they're they're not like a thousand percent wrong. Like they're, <laughs> they're, you know, they're, they're, and well, what, they're, okay, what percentage are they wrong? That, that's the thing I kept trying to figure out because there's definitely a good chunk, maybe more than 50%, where it's wrong because people get taken advantage of. They get forced into like yeah. doing things that are culty and like mlm 5%, so you know? But, but that's 5%. the pitch. It's the same way. It's like it's like Sean King's internet presence isn't 100% wrong, but right. he's, he's using it to get you into his system. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Dr. Works. Umar, stuff Dr. Umar says isn't always like 100% wrong, but it's like it's the entry point into getting you. Into, yeah. Into, yeah. Azalea yeah. Banks isn't 100% wrong, but. <laughs> She's 200% right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except for the like, you know, with Dr. Umar, it's like, yeah, the homophobia and yeah, like, pseudo history yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But but like the grievances that he's talking about, like are not are not wrong. So it's really a good lesson here on never letting a good crisis go to waste. Ford L. capitalized and publicly swore to bring, quote, America to its knees in the very near future. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were the one saying that. In, in <laughs> I, I've, I've been threatening that on Facebook every day. <laughs> yeah, has like every day. I'm going to bring America to its knees in the oh very near it. future. <laughs> Threat it. <laughs> oh my gosh! Come bow before me. <laughs> <laughs> and immediately following that. Okay, that proclamation to bring America to its knees. On October 29th, 1929, the stock market crashes, triggering the Great Depression. Fort L said the crash proved he was the reincarnation of Drew Ali, and thousands of Drew Ali's followers swore allegiance to him. So Ford L, like so many people in the story, had a thousand names. We're going to call him Wallace Fard, since that seems to be the main name. Once he established himself, he called his sect Allah Temple Islam, or ATI. Uh, not to be confused with uh, Christ Jesus Church or yeah. <laughs> Temple Temple Islam Shiite. <laughs> These names are fucking so awful. It's or a different ATI that's saying, what you know about that? What you know, what about, you know about that? that? Also known as a comedian now. Who knew? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, passed at the Comedy Cellar before any of us. Oh, wow. <laughs> the death of Ali led to Elijah getting back on the sauce, sadly. Meanwhile, Claire worked various domestic jobs to support the family while their nine-year-old son, Emmanuel, collected recycling to sell at the junkyard. And Clara had heard about Wallace Fard and attended a couple of his sermons. She was convinced he was the prophet and invited him for dinner because at this point, Elijah was such a terrible drunk that he couldn't even leave the house. In the spring of 1931, Fard and Elijah finally met when Fard came to their home for dinner. 
As Clara prepared the meal, Elijah observed Fard, noting that he didn't resemble the stereotypical image of a black American. Fard took the opportunity to explain his worldview, which included the following beliefs. I wish this was a top 10 if it wasn't so fucked up. Top 10. Here we go. Fard was the Mahdi, a messianic figure in Islamic lore who emerges in the end times to rid the world of evil and injustice. (laughs) Is that not true? Fard was (laughs) sent to save black people in America, whom he referred to as his lost uncle. Creepy. (laughs) Yes. Like all black people are uncles. I'm confused. To blend in with the whites more easily, Fard assumed physical features associated with Caucasians. White people were actually inferior to black people and were created through a genetic manipulation experiment conducted thousands of years ago on black people. Of course, due to these experiments, some black people turned red and then yellow and eventually white. And as white people became even whiter, Fard argued that they became increasingly immoral until they became pure evil. And this is the one that I believe the most. Also, <laughs> Jews this is are- the one that makes the most logical sense. <laughs> yeah. Black people used to be a bright yellow yeah. color. And then they and then, changed because then, of experiments. And now the whiter you are, the more demonic you become. Like all of this makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Also, Jews are devils too. He just kind of threw that in there. And Make sure you can include you gotta that. You got to always sprinkle that in for extra As hate. always, this is about inclusivity. Yes. Go this on. has never not been about inclusivity, actually. And Fart also blamed white people for Elijah's alcoholism, claiming that they had created a society in which alcohol dependency was the only means of coping. I also kind of believe that one, too. Yes, that one kind of makes sense. That That one's like, that one's actually not the worst. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm on board. What's going on? Yeah, especially because this is like pre-access to like a lot of drugs and stuff. I'd be getting ripped if I lived in Jim Crow, Georgia. Yeah. Are you kidding? Absolutely. All this stuff. Are you kidding? Just reading this. With the severed ear thing, I want to drink. Yeah. Yeah. Just I forget it. I, I, yeah. yeah. It's like I would be Danny Glover from the color purple for sure. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've seen that movie. <laughs> nice. Recently, I watched it. It took exactly one dinner for him to agree that, yes, this is the prophet. And he started to preach in the temple and Fard quickly promoted him to supreme minister, renaming him Elijah Kareem. Elijah delivered lectures on Wednesday and Friday evenings and filled in for Fard on Sunday afternoons when Fard was away. By the fall of 1932, the ATI and the emerging nation of Islam, NOI, had become despised by nearly every black organization in Detroit. The NAACP, (laughs) the National Urban League, all viewed the NOI as a cancer in the black community. Yeah, and just to keep in mind, there's, there's social class here, right? If you go NAACP and the National Urban League, those are like middle class educated black people. And so they see the Nation of Islam or like noble Drew Ali's temples as as like these like working class black people wearing like fezes. They see them as like buffoons. They all, These same people also disliked Garvey for the same reason. It's like stop wearing uh, Napoleon military uniforms and talking about all this back to Africa stuff and you know, come, come try to like, let's get a, a black mayor, you know, was mm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Pull your pants up. Bill Cosby stuff. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. There's respectability politics as part of it. Yeah. It's yeah. like put on a suit. Yeah. 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 Interesting. 
So some sticking points were the whole white devils thing and also that ATI leaders were stealing welfare payments from their congregants. Whoopsie. Then a follower of the ATI committed a sacrificial murder sanctioned by Fard. And as a result, <laughs> Fard was arrested, leading Detroit's police commissioner to request a specialized squad to dismantle the ATI. Uh, it's the sacrificial murder that'll get you every single time. Like, every leave that ATI. out of it. As, as part of your initiation into a particular form of Islam, you need to stab this man in the chest, Indiana Jones style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in Detroit. <laughs> like a sacrificial murder is like Detroit. It's like, yeah. What is going on? Walfard was in custody after five days. Elijah organized a protest involving over 200 members inside the courthouse. It took the police an entire day to disperse the crowd fully. Okay, this is another thing that actually attracts people to this movement, though, because black people in this time of vulnerability, these Islamic organizations are able to present unity and actual physical strength to resist the authorities that's going to, like, attract more people to it, right? Because they'll say the NAACP can do their protest or whatever, but the Muslims are actually out there, you know, going head to head with the cops. Mm. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think every progressive movement needs to, like, learn something from these groups that are able to unify under some sort of, you know, any sort of ideology, right? I think that's generally the the benefit of these places. Well, it's just the difference between democracy and dictatorship. The NAACP has committees and, um, <laughs> you know, like funding structures and like of board, mi like minutes. Mm. You know, they, like these authoritarian organizations, if wh whenever the supreme leader says, we're shutting this down, then you got to deal with 200 Muslims that will follow this person because they believe that they're God on earth or whatever, you know. The defendant was found to be legally insane and was committed. Fard confessed that his teachings were dangerous and that he would use his influence to disband the ATI. He agreed to leave Detroit forever in order to receive immunity. While it seemed like he was banished from Detroit, he clandestinely returned in January 1933 and Elijah had become his new chief aide. At this time, Fard bestowed upon him a new name, Elijah Muhammad. So what's funny here, I think, is that they were like, you got to leave Detroit. And he ends up like going to Chicago. But it's funny in like the early, you know, 1930s, like you could like send someone out of a city and be like, well, we'll never see that guy again. Yeah. <laughs> there he goes. Get out of Detroit it's still, forever. It's still, yeah. Transportation was still so hard. They're like, surely he'll never come back and like take, take his whatever like weird car or like horse. Yeah. <laughs> If you, if you if you don't have a phone number, that person can vanish forever. It's like it's like in Boardwalk Empire when the guy just goes and just creates a new identity when he has to leave Atlantic City. You know? Yeah. Those are the good old yeah, days. I know. I was just thinking that. Like, damn, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish get, this for myself. You get a girl pregnant in Detroit, and you just like move to Omaha, Nebraska, and you yeah. never see any of those people ever again until a twenty-three and Me test in the year <laughs> yeah. twenty twenty-three. Yeah, in the year twenty twenty-three, like <laughs> I have lots of different cousins. I don't know why. <laughs> Elijah immediately introduced a controversial belief that the Muhammad mentioned in the Holy Quran was not a true prophet, but near me, but merely an enthusiast. Yikes. Oh my god! Big, oh, wow! Big this huge yikes! Holy shit. Yeah. This is the craziest thing you could possibly... How, like... I don't know. I would love to know what real Muslim organizations at that time were thinking. Uh, they were like, stop this. <laughs> this, this has to stop. 
Like Hassan, do you see what's going on over here? I don't understand. <laughs> I thought no. we were, I thought we were friends with the black guys. No, the the, pro- the problem is they don't have any. You know, yeah, they're like there's like a Turkish guy or an Arab guy that's like seeing this stuff, and they're all yeah. like denouncing it as yeah. not yeah. as like complete heresy. But who like who is an African American gonna believe the Turkish guy or you know <laughs> or two hundred of his fellow black people? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> It's just, I mean, anyone, uh, the the most basic understanding of Islam would be Muhammad is the dude. Yeah. And it's like. (laughs) No. Not And then calling him an enthusiast is like, what is, I mean, wow. He was enthusiastic from what I've read, peace be upon him. Yeah, unifying Arabia. I mean, it's a whole very enthusiastic. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) He claimed that he himself was the real prophet, combining elements of Christianity and Islam by proclaiming himself Elijah of the Holy Bible's book of Malachi and the seal of the prophets. Wow. (laughs) I like it when when any religious thing gets like super contemporary. It's like, yes, the seal of the prophets is in Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Nick Cage shows up for National Treasure 6. We're, like, We're looking for the seal of the prophets. We're here in Detroit for it. Hey, I think I saw the seal of the prophets working uh, at the Ford plant. <laughs> in Dearborn. The seal of them. Yeah. Oh, this man... In December 1934, Elijah attempted to downplay an earlier prophecy from Fard, which stated that whites would be removed from the planet in 1935. This is like, remember is in, uh, was it 2012 that they said the world was going to end? Yeah. Yeah. And then we were all waiting and it didn't happen. Well, they were definitely Well, we waiting. were all waiting. Me, me in my house. I was like, I'm ready. Get me out of here. Take me off this planet. Let's go. <laughs> well, you were only 10 years old yeah, at that time, Yeah, that's actually, right? I was a baby, like- but I had heard about it. Yeah, you had heard about yeah. it, right? I was, just, why, why, I was just a little baby. Or even Y2K. Yes, Y2K. Y2K. Yeah, my yeah, pa- my great-grandparents told me about Y2K, and I was going to like... Uh, <laughs> great-grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> I read about it in my history book at school. Uh, stop so it. Crazy. Stop it. <laughs> oh, my God. Where, where, where are the whites going to be removed to? Yeah, so where a were you? Planet, a white planet with the demonics. I don't know. Also, how are you defining whites? I mean, is this point like the Irish, the Italians aren't white yet? Here, yeah, like, right? like, like there will be Greeks left, I guess, in this. Yeah, in 1930, by 1935 logic. Yeah, yeah. And what happens if, like, you know, like my family was there? We're like light skinned. Like my dad's like really dark. My mom's really light. Like what would what would my family do? You're out of no, here. They you're out of here, Cena. No, 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 you're out. You're the first thing smoking. You're going to hell, straight to hell. But they would take all your symbols. They would be like, like for like your dad's like carpets and stuff. They'd be like, this is an original black carpet. Mine. And what and what happened? What happened was people that looked like Cena's father, who turned white after being black. Because he was in the laboratory, right? And he took the black man's carpet (laughs) as a way to confuse the black man about where, because we come from, we used to fly on these carpets. (laughs) And then they took (laughs) on flying carpets. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're like, what? (laughs) We was Aladdin, Aladdin was actually 
a black man. <laughs> I will say the problem I have always had with Aladdin, even as a child, was that the Aladdin had no hair on his chest. Mm. Oh, yeah. he was uh, hairless. That's was true. Just, you don't, you're not going to find that. He was a hairy black man. <laughs> Aladdin was Kimbo Slice <laughs> <laughs> on a magic carpet. <laughs> you're like what? <laughs> <laughs> the oh carpet would absolutely sink from the air if it was Kimbo Slice. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, these these carpet jokes are totally allowed. My dad was a, a rug salesman, oh, so we, he had his own rug store. Yeah, I'm, not be, I'm, I'm not being racist. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I was. This is family I fully history. guessed that your family had to do with carpets. <laughs> oh my goodness. A, yeah, only black people should be offended, actually. <laughs> 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 okay, wait. So remember, we're going back. The the white people are being removed from the planet in 1935. So Elijah then claimed that Fard had given whites a one year extension. Incredible. Oh, <laughs> not because they were salvageable, because we know the whites are not salvageable, but to provide more time to convert black people. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Membership had started to decline, so he got crazier, claiming that the events described in the book of Ezekiel were actually happening at that very moment. And after the passage of the Social Security Act, he labeled Social Security numbers a mark of the beast and a sign that the nightmarish events depicted in the book of Revelations were coming to pass. He urged followers to dispose of their possessions, stop reading newspapers other than his, and stop listening to the radio. Anyone who disobeyed faced excommunication or permanent expulsion. By the way, ton of overlap with uh, it's actually these exact same people now. Uh, they're also they got huge into the anti-vax movement, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. precisely, oh. yes, precisely yes, the yes, same yes, thing yes. as like the basis of like all of their conspiratorial thinking. Like uh, anti-vaccine content is like a lot of what they put out now. Uh, this guy named uh, uh, he's in the Nation of Islam now. He's broken out as a star. His name is Riza Islam, and a ton of his stuff is telling black oh, people yeah. not to not to not to be vaccinated. A sociologist who conducted the first formal study of the NOI noted that there wasn't a single case of unemployment among the members. And that's actually not good for a church. If anyone is doing well, they aren't as receptive to some crazy asshole screaming about genetic experiments from thousands of years ago. Also, a lot of them had gotten rid of all of their belongings and were resentful because the world had not ended as they had hoped. Anyway. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Man, me, I had a me, I am resentful currently. <laughs> Get me out of here. Bum, 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 bum. I, I heard about that, that noise. Model T. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Truly. Uh, anyway, they kept trying to kill him. So he eventually had to... <laughs> moved to dc he had had enough stop trying to kill me i'm out of here i love all how this is all following just like it's like if you're a black fraudster it's like all right i messed up in detroit i guess i'll head to dc all right got ran out of dc i guess i'll head to the south side of chicago all right got ran out of the south side of chicago i guess i'm headed to west philadelphia all right i got ran out of west philadelphia i guess i'll head up to harlem all right i got ran out of harlem i guess i'll head down to atlanta (laughs) (laughs) in may of 1942 elijah got arrested in dc for not registering for the draft it was easy to catch him because the fbi already had informants within the noi 
<laughs> Justin, can you take us to the arrest and what happened after that? So they found him hiding inside of a carpet that was rolled up underneath his mother's bed. Which they, my fa- my great great grandfather sold that family the rug that he was he was rolled up in. That's right. That is right. The original black man's Persian rug. <laughs> uh, he was prosecuted and he received uh, one to five years in jail. So while he was in prison, the psychiatric assessments described Elijah as a man harboring intense hostility, uh, firmly entrenched in the belief that he was a martyr and displaying an attitude of superiority. The assessments concluded that he was suffering from paranoid schizophrenia, and he was in prison for three years, worked as a janitor for two of it, and was approved to take remedial education classes. Now, what's important about this is that in prison, he has access to another vulnerable population of black people, right? And he begins the process of proselytizing uh, within the jail system, which is actually going to be a successful recruiting technique for the Nation of Islam moving forward. Just keep that as a note. So when we come back, Elijah meets someone very special in prison. Can you guess who it is? For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Welcome back. While in prison, his wife Clara helped run the church, carrying out Elijah's orders from prison. And she's basically an early remote worker. Incredible. Justin Elijah met someone that would arguably change his life. Now, who was it? Malcolm X born Malcolm Little followed the footsteps of his brother and joined the Nation of Islam in 1947, uh, sharing some past overlap when it comes to racist trauma. Malcolm's father had been murdered, largely suspected by white supremacists, and his mother experienced a nervous breakdown, leading him to grow up in foster care. After engaging in petty crime and even drug addiction, someone uh, like Malcolm Little is going to be receptive to uh, someone like Elijah Muhammad, who actually shares a lot of his uh, sort of basic background. So Elijah Muhammad saw potential in Malcolm X and believed that reformed hustlers, pimps, and confidence men could become effective servants of the people because they understood human nature 
better than most psychiatrists and psychologists. So after being paroled, Malcolm X moved to Detroit and became a student minister. Elijah mentored Malcolm, offering constructive criticism on his early sermons. As a result, around 200 people were converted between between late 1952 and late 1953, and NOI membership in Detroit tripled by 1954. In the summer of 1954, Elijah appointed Malcolm as the minister of Temple Number no. 7 in Harlem. Concrete jungle, where things are made of, baby. So during this time, with the increased membership, the FBI needed to turn the volume all the way up on their investigation, or kind of really just turn the volume up on the wiretaps they put in Elijah's home. <laughs> It's 1956, and Elijah figures this out and gets a column in the Pittsburgh Courier to fight back. The Courier was the largest-selling black newspaper in the country. Sales were driven by followers of the Nation of Islam. In June of 1957 alone, NOI members sold 100,000 copies. Malcolm would get a column, too. And by 1960, both Elijah and X's columns could be read in every major city in the country. So this is what, I mean, it definitely feeds into all of the paranoia that is based in truth. When the FBI is forming a a total counter surveillance operation, uh, like a counter, like a counterinsurgency, basically, uh, against the Nation of Islam. And then meanwhile, the Nation of Islam is doing like an MLM, making (laughs) making its members not only sell, but buy these newspapers all the time. So it's... And there's it's a very huge, confusing. And there's a huge difference. Like the addition to Malcolm X, the, the reason why you get those conversion numbers, because someone like Elijah Muhammad is very like understated, right? He's like, and it is true that the Negro is actually the superior race. But then Malcolm X is like, and it's true. And the liable Elijah Muhammad tells us that it is not you that is inferior. It is actually the white man. And that's why he seeks to hold you down. He doesn't have to, but you know, and it's like you see people responding to that, right? I'm fired and up like, right now. Yeah, the, the the authorities get like very nervous anytime you're like white people are devils, and people are like that actually makes a lot of sense. I'm being radicalized through this podcast. I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm I'm Nation of Islam, except for some of the. I'm gonna make my new Nation of Islam because I you could just pick and choose oh, what you Ariel want. X? You could just pick uh, and choose. <laughs> I mean, if you could just like. Sample what you want and make your own new religion. I'm about to do that. You I'll tell. I have, I have some bad news for you. Though. Oh no, uh, they don't want me. Nope. I'm a half breed. I know. No, it's not that. No. They, would, they would take you as black enough because, like, I mean, the, the funny no, thing about like Elijah like Muhammad, he's like incredibly fair skinned, and I think yeah. I think Wallace Farr too. But like, uh, yeah, that was the oh, whole thing. Oh, but I can't be in it because I'm yeah. a woman. Yeah, it's like you're a woman talking. Damn it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the whole problem. (laughs) Yeah, you don't get to talk. (laughs) You actually don't. You actually don't get to be like on stage unless you're sitting behind a man. Never mind. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'll start my own. Okay, so now it seems that we're at peak Nation of Islam, but that means people are paying more attention. So on July 13th, 1959, Mike Wallace hosted a five-part series on the Nation of Islam titled The Hate That Hate Produced. It revealed NOI as anti-Semitic. I, I'm not anti-Semitic, by the way. So that's that's the thing I take away from my own, Dude, my you personal... Would, okay, you'd cross that out. Got <laughs> it. My personal it. Uh, belief system. Okay. <laughs> if I was going to make my own nation if of Islam... If I made my own nation of Islam... <laughs> I would hate the Jews. I'd love all the Jews. And women can join us. I'd fly on this carpet. <laughs> It, it revealed NOI as anti-Semitic and blew up their national visibility. 
The fallout was immediate and severe, with numerous prominent civil rights leaders condemning Elijah Muhammad and his philosophy. Kenneth B. Keating, a powerful New York senator, even threatened to launch a congressional probe into the NOI. Yeah. So this 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 news series is incredible. Uh, we'll put the link to it in the episode description here. It's wild. And Mike Wallace, I don't think he comes off great in this. It feels like he's kind of, I don't want to say racist, but it's like he is a man of the times that's trying to be progressive and liberal, but it just, it comes off really Well, even the title, even the title is actually liberal because it's like saying, it's saying like, this is the natural sort of thing. Like America's racism, of course, is going to produce a movement like this. So that's actually like a liberal idea. For sure. To even admit America's is on the wrong, but yeah, it's going to come off probably as a little patronizing, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, we'll just like, and we'll play some clips here from it. But I think one of the things that's amazing is that they do this whole thing. And then at the end, there's like a panel discussion with people like Roy Wilkins, who ran the NAACP. Jackie Robinson is in there. Like it's, it's pretty wild. But let's play this first clip where it's uh, the intro and some interview clips of Elijah and Malcolm X. I'm Mike Wallace. Last week on Newsbeat, our 6.30 news program here on Channel 13, we presented a five-part series which we called The Hate That Hate Produced, a study of the rise of black racism, of a call for black supremacy among a small but growing segment of the American Negro population. Tonight, because of the considerable interest evoked by the serialized version, we are repeating this disturbing story with additional film sequences which we did not have time to use last week. Have you ever been accused of preaching hate? Yes. Do you think you are preaching hate? No. What are you preaching, sir? Truth. And if the truth is uh, irritable or objectified as hate, then uh, I cannot help that. I want to call your attention, Minister Malcolm, to one paragraph in this column. He says, and I quote him, the only people born of Allah are the black nation, of whom the so-called American Negroes are descendants. Yes. Now, is this your standard teaching? Yes. He teaches us that the black man, by nature, is divine. Now, does this mean that the white man, by nature, is evil? By nature, he is other than divine. By nature, he is evil. He cannot do good. History is best qualified to reward all research, and we don't have any his- historic uh, example where we have found that they collectively, as a people, have done good. Like, I just don't. That well, one part is like, do you preach hate? And he's like, I preach truth. And it's like, if you want to call that hate, that's fine. That's Elijah Muhammad. And then, you know, Malcolm X is over here. It's like, it's so binary that it's like white people are the devil or are evil. He didn't say that. He, but it's he, like, don't, don't twist his words. He said, don't the put his words. I'm sorry. I don't want to. <laughs> of divine. <laughs> Did not say evil. So, you're, you're, yeah. you twisted that. I did that. I did that. That's a, but again, where does like a non 
non like like what are we counting as white? Cena, you are going to hell. <laughs> what do you want? Why are you trying to get out of it? Yeah, they're, and they're not and they're not nuanced about this. I don't think <laughs> you're going directly to hell. Do not pass go. Yeah, you are one of the white ones, guys. Guys, no, I think you're my family. Your pattern been... isn't even curling the way it should. Well, they, they would say you're Asiatic or something. They'd be like, "Well, you're not like you know." They would they or they, they would be like you're from the Orient. But, yeah, but but you would probably be some kind of. You probably stole something from black people. I gave you Persian rugs. You're out. You stole. Get them out of here. Damn. I I do like Malcolm X's like uh, like intelligence to use words. He's just like I'm not saying you're the devil. I'm just saying you're the absence. The absence of divinity. So yeah, you take that how you want. That's uh, you. You actually said devil. That's not me. And it's also the mainstream media not realizing. They're like, would you believe these guys? Think it's like, yeah, it's because this group is not aimed at a mainstream audience. It's like, in fact, by having by having Malcolm X say that directly to a white man's face in the, like the early was this 1960 or something like that? Yeah, it's like th- that's gonna make more people. It's like it's like wow, these yeah. black guys say whatever they want to white people. It's gonna attract more followers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got another clip from the Hate the Hate produced here. Um. There's some uh, here's some interviews around the uh, some so some people on the street uh, style interviews that were just getting interviewed about the NAACP and their support for Elijah Muhammad. As Justin was saying, there was a group of people that were very supportive of the NAACP and then there were others that were not. So let's hear what the people have to say that were not in support of the NAACP. I've listened to the Elijah Muhammad movement and the black nationalist movement, and I have heard the NAACP, and I don't feel that the NAACP's views are the way out. I feel that it would be better if it were more national rather than integrated with the views of the white man in it for the simple reason that I think that together with our own people, more can be accomplished rather than with the white man involved in it also, because as it is, we've already been accepting too many crumbs from this man, and we've never really gotten a real loaf of bread from him. The only thing I disagree with the NAACP about (laughs) is that uh, we've been waiting long enough. Uh, The Supreme Court handed down a decision in 1954, and we're still waiting for our schools to be integrated in the South. Uh, I've read some of Mr. Muhammad's articles in the Pittsburgh Courier. He is a Muslim. I agree with him. He says we've been waiting long enough. You, you know, I think both those people point out <laughs> like, they have one like of the things that indisputable expi- point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Points have been made. Like, yeah. It makes sense. Like, and also that first woman, what she was saying, she has, she said. I've looked at the uh, NAACPs, uh, and I, I don't think they are the way out, yeah. which connotes that that they're trapped in something. This is obviously 1959. This is before the Civil Rights Act. This is, uh, you know, there's a there's a lot that's still going to be happened and and still hasn't happened yet. But there is a sense that folks were trapped at that time, and they were looking for a way out. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're living in a society that the only place that you've ever known doesn't uh, want you there as an equal. 
So yeah, you're yeah. Like, it's like it's yeah, it's America's sort of a, a trap. You know, it's like it's like uh, the Frederick Douglass. What does the Fourth of July mean to the Negro? It's like it's not, yeah, yeah. All right, here's one more clip from the Hate They Hate produced. It's a panel discussing black nationalism and anti-Semitism. Right before this clip starts, Roy Wilkins poses the question: What do quote real Africans think of African Muslims, part of the United African Nationalist Movement? Then they segue into talking about anti-Semitism. On a couple of occasions, we pointed out that Orthodox Muslims fervently disavowed yeah. this. Yeah. The Africans now, I'm sorry. The real Africans that are fighting in Nigeria and West Africa, Central Africa, East Africa, I have an idea that they're totally unaware of the support, in quotes, they're getting from 125th Street and 7th Avenue. Well, well, that would be <laughs> at odds, accurate. perhaps, with uh, what Arnold Forster suggested. No, I'm talking about the Arabs, and Roy, and Roy is talking about, about the Africans. Africans. Yes. The real Africans, so what you call a real yes. African would not be. And that's another menace of this whole thing, the mixing up of anti-Semitism in here. That's right. This is poisonous. Very. This is I understand the, that anti-Semitism, I understand this from Ann Hedgeman, and I want to be very careful about this, is somewhat on the rise again in Harlem. You get a good deal of discussion of it. Some of it's tied in with the television field, you'll be interested to know. How come with uh, all of these things so important, so little of it gets on the television by Negroes themselves, for example? How come there's no commentator anywhere? What's happened to uh, uh, Negroes in the entertainment field and so on? All of this. And the blame for this is placed much at the of feet it. of the Jews? Very much of it, yes. <laughs> because they say that the Jew... Uh, now you want to he, owns, crowd, he owns the production, the means of... Uh, of television well, production. He now look, we went misinformation. The, we went into the yes, myths of, of uh, racial and religious myths uh, that are running around the country, and the uh, easiest to explode a lot of this about uh, the power of the Jews and what they control. But the average man on the street here again, like Gardner Taylor says, instead of looking inside himself to find out how much better he can make himself, he spends his time. Blaming the Arabs, the Jews, the Hitler, the Southern white man, and all the rest. Or the NAACP yes, or anybody yeah. else they can get. <laughs> but there is still a job to be done with masses of people that's not being done. And I think we all ought to face it. White or black. Thank you very much. Can we pause it? Uh, so important contextual point. The NAACP's early history was like liberal white people and Jews were actually a major uh, supporters of it. Uh, the NAACP actually has to come into black leadership. Like it doesn't like really start as that. Right. But, uh, a lot of Jews that uh, have the historical memory of being persecuted in Europe felt like a uh, kinship with black people. And I see. the groups like the, the, uh, nation of Islam are going to like change that into like a negative narrative mm -hmm. that, that the NAACP is actually a tool of the Jews rather than like Jews trying to help black people. I see. And it's crazy. Then you cut to Nick Cannon. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, you know, like immediately, well, I, it's just that like Kanye heard a few little blips and he's like, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's a tool of the Jews. Yeah. It's like, yeah, the conspiracy theory stuff. And it's also becomes like an easy sub target. It's like Jews, like it's easier to be anti-Semitic in 1960s America than it is to like take on like the actual like white man. It's like Jews, yeah. Jews become an easy target. Also, black people and Jews are living in like close proximity. They're both living in urban neighborhoods uh, in this period. And this because this is before Jews join like white flight to the suburbs. So there's also the kind of stuff, you know, like, you know, the L.A. riots where you get black people kind of targeting Korean shopkeepers. 
Like mm. it's that kind of thing. It's like, oh, if they're for Jewish businesses, we blame them for. Well, Roy Wilkins said the Nation of Islam blamed Arabs and everybody else. It didn't include Persians. So I'm still safe, guys. No. You want to get me out of here, here, but I'm still safe. You're I'm still here. here. <laughs> well, since there's no bad press, membership exploded. And in Los Angeles alone, 500 people joined the NOI in the week following the program's rerun. All right, we're going to stop there for now. Next week, we're going to get into the rest of the story when it comes to Elijah Muhammad. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Fraudsters. Follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Check out the show notes for the show's social media links so you can follow us and see the resources we use for this episode. Fraudsters is hosted by me, Sina Gaznavi, Justin Williams, and Ariel Lieti. Fraudsters is produced by Nori Malik, written by Nick Turner, and edited by Ryan Connor. Research was provided by Patrick Fisher. Legal research by Robert Rosigliano. Music by Grant Gordon. The executive producer is me, Sina Gazdami. This has been a production of Zero Cool and The Last Podcast Network. For 25 years, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave.